And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgan's host for today's episode of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, entrepreneurship, uh, we love talking about founders, hearing their stories and getting into kind of what makes them tick, why they do what they do uh, and, and where they're going. Before we start with today's guest, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Vanessa is a friend of mine, as well as a colleague, as well as an agency owner in the Amazon space. Uh, in the e-commerce space, there's not a lot of um, Amazon experts or Amazon consultants as far as on the service provider side. Um, so it's, it's a rare treat to have her on the show. I'm super excited. We've been waiting a few, a few months to have, to get this set up. So but without further ado, Vanessa Hong, welcome to the show. Thank you for the invite, Andrew. Yes. The first time I met Vanessa, um, I was coming down to, uh, the wizards of e-coms, uh, meet up in Miami and, uh, I was just presenting there a little bit and Vanessa was presenting before I was to in Spanish, uh, along with another friend and a colleague, um, to the group before that there's a, there's a big Spanish community in, in Miami, of course. Um, and so, you know, just hearing her speak, uh, we met after the show and I've been friends ever since. Um, you know, when you hear somebody that really knows your space and cares about it as much as you do, uh, it just feels like a, a kindred spirit. So we're, we're super lucky to have you on the show. We're going to talk about the future of Amazon today. Uh, but before we get into that, before we get into Latin America and some of the things that you're doing specifically, Let's talk a little bit about just how you got into, you know, the e-commerce space. So I happen to know that you come from Venezuela originally, um, now living here in the U.S. Um, what, when did you first get the entrepreneur bug? Let's not, not even Amazon, just like when did you get the first entrepreneur bug? Is it something that your family <laughs> has always had? Is it something that you were born into? Um, you know, what was your first, uh, your first start startup, so to speak? Wow, that's okay. I feel that the one that I have the memory of is when I was in fourth grade uh, with my best friend. We were selling pens to our friends. So what we did was like buying the pens in the like library and then literally in the uh, classroom, we were selling them to our friends. Like they could have go to the library and buy them from themselves, but they prefer to buy from us, convenience, right? And and we know about that in e-commerce, convenience, two-day shipping and all the stuff. So I started doing that. And it's funny because I, I always joke with this friend. He's like, no, I went into medicine. Like he's now a doctor. And then you pursue the entrepreneurship. So yeah, when I was in school selling to my girlfriend, selling like bracelets and all the stuff. So I made my grandma buy me some beads and I started doing like bracelets and selling them. One time I remember that like maybe in sixth grade, 
a teacher stopped me and they were like, Vanessa, you, you need to stop. You need to stop selling Hustling to your, your friends. friends. Yeah. yeah, they they literally like, that's not good. Like you cannot do that. So I stopped in school. And then when I went into university, I start an entrepreneurship like master. And I I was in the program for two years where we develop ideas, literally okay. like build the company. So that's the most my my official, you know, like pursuit of an startup. Um I developed there the first one that I did was um eco-friendly uh cleaning products. So okay. that that we did was it was a failure, but um, Too bad you didn't well, stick with that. They would have exploded in the pandemic, I feel like. Everybody was moving to cleaning. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, that was probably, what, 2012, 11, something? Okay. So, I mean, still, like, the eco-friendly movement wasn't there yet. But we we saw it. And, I was, uh, and, and that's something that I reflect on, that if I would keep pursuing that, like, maybe today would be another story, you know? Um, so then I founded like two more other companies or like, I think several, uh, two that were like official and successful. And, and I was like filtering with e-commerce. I wanted to drop shipping. So I got into the, this, uh, YouTube video movement about like, Hey, buy an Alibaba and then sell on Amazon. That was 2015 or something, uh, from Venezuela. So okay. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. And um, to open the Amazon account was like tricky. Uh, Venezuela was not allowed. And so I was like, okay, this is not for me right now. But I already had seen all the videos and I knew how the system worked. I knew what was FBA. I knew everything. So then when I came to America, I had the opportunity to work as an e-commerce manager for a company. And because of the knowledge that I had for from that experience, that got me the job. And I learned everything with them. So I've been working in on Amazon like as an e-commerce manager uh, since 2017. And officially, I founded the agency this year in January. So I've been working as a consultant and an e-commerce manager, but the online seller solutions with each the agency is just one year, less than one year. Okay, so you left some stuff out. We're gonna get we're gonna go backwards a little bit if you don't mind, because mm-hmm. I happen to know as your friend uh, that you started a balance board company. I think yes. in university, right? So you just said, "Hey, I started yes. two companies." Yeah, 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 and you moved on. But um, let's talk about that balance board company. And you also haven't started about where the bug came from. So you started in grade school. And I think that most entrepreneurs and most founders have something in common, you know, whether it's my uh, my business partner, Brian, uh, property management, where he he was selling CDs to Korea, I think in Korea, he was mixing CDs in the US, bringing them back to Korea, where he, where he was stationed with his dad and selling them to kids at school, or there's something very common that founders have as entrepreneurs, where um, from a young age, they learn to make money off their efforts instead of just their time clocking in. And it's something that you really can't get rid of. Um, my dad was a missionary, so less of a businessman, uh, than, than maybe some others, but he definitely was a founder in regards to going to an area and creating something from scratch and like, you know, really getting it going. Um, 
you know, was it, was it something with your dad, your mom, your grandparents, like, were you taught entrepreneurship or business ownership from a, from a girl? Like, how did you, how did you know that you wanted to, to be, to be an entrepreneur? Um, I think that it was like way after everything that I, I thought about entrepreneurship. Actually, I wanted to be a politician. Okay. So I wanted, I wanted to change the world, change Venezuela and, and, you know, make the country something different than what it is right now. Um, both of my, like in my family, we are business owners from both sides, my mom and my dad. Uh, my mom is a doctor. My dad is like a business person. Uh, okay. but, but everybody in my family had something going on. So if it's business, my mom, my mom is, a doc, is a doctor, but also she likes to bake. So she had like a size hustle where like she made cakes just for fun, not even to make money. The money was not the problem. So the best ideas uh, are yes, usually the ones so, you enjoy, you know? Yes. So enjoying the things that you do, like uh, solving problems. So I, I think that I was, I knew I was a problem solver before I knew I was an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, if that makes sense. No, so no. when I start like coming to these situations in my life and I was, starting solving problems, then you realize like, okay, you can do something with this, right? And what changed my mindset in that way was the master that I did in, in entrepreneurship where I learned that with a business opportunity, with an idea, providing value and making things right for customers, you can also build a country and change the world, right? Yeah. Because if I'm able to create job opportunity for people that don't have it and create products or services that make their quality of life better i'm already changing life and that doesn't need to be necessarily like in a country like i don't need to be in a position of power to do that so that's when i changed actually i was studying political science and then i changed to economics i changed my career just because of that because i knew like okay i'm a problem solver and I think I can add value here. And this is the fastest and easiest way for me to change the world. And that's my commitment. That's that's my purpose. And and when I do... So uh, you asked me about the balance board uh, company. So I'm always... Uh, I've always been like string sport, like girl. Like, I don't know. I was like doing mountain bike when my girlfriend tomboy like, tomboy, tomboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah so with my cousins i was like parachuting like surfing kayaking like whatever and boards were something and i come across with balance boards and i'm like oh my god this is amazing i'm gonna do mines uh this is cool it it happened that from my father's side of the family uh we had uh wood shops I don't know, like lumber, yeah. carpenters, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, woodworking so, shop. Yes. So we already knew, or or my dad knew, like everything about wood. So he taught me, and I'm like, okay, I'm all in. I'm doing it. And the beauty about that is, it, I didn't do that just because of selling the boards, but what I did was like creating workshops. So I partnered with some institution institutions in Caracas to do balancing board workshops in public spaces. So we okay. went to parks, we went to like streets, and 
I was there with all the balance boards and a microphone teaching people. So my approach was like, if I can teach them how to balance in something that is physical, right? Maybe they can find that space and they can like meditate and open and, and maybe that will make their life better. Therefore, they'll change their life and they'll change the way they live. And, uh, you know, something that I, I, I would love to that be a domino effect where, you know, they make their their, their day better and, and they're there of their friends, their family and so on. So that's what I enjoy the most. Not on, not, it was not about like selling the boards or making a lot of money out of it. It was the impact that I have doing those workshops and, and it was extremely fulfilling. I know. I think that that resonates even in the way that you um, have created your business or engage in the community even now. Um, you know, the Amazon community is, is um, like I said, it's small. You know, we had an event in Miami earlier this week where, um, you know, we had attendees from Tel Aviv. We have attendees from Russia, Ukraine, all over the world, uh, just because um, the community is so small, uh, you know, that, that we get people from all over the world. And I think that that's something that um, I missed in the early days and I'm really enjoying now, you know, as the community is getting bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, you and Carlos with the Wizards of Ecom have made a, a great community there in Miami of sellers and um, as someone that, that attended that does, we don't have that all over. Not every city has that, you know, it's very yeah. unique. Um, so, you know, that's something cool and community building is, is very important. I can definitely relate. Um, you know, my sister Veronica is, is like my right hand at, at Marknology and has helped me build a lot of what we have today. And something I told her in the early days as someone that also went into political science and that also, you know, she got her master's in engineering um, at university in order to, to, to work on clean water. Uh, and, and, you know, we come from Africa, we were raised in Africa. And so it was something, uh, you know, it's an overwhelming, it's something that maybe someone that hasn't lived in a place like that can't really understand until, until they've been somewhere where, um, you know, you really want to make a, a massive difference and, and it consumes your thoughts and consumes everything. Um, you know, and, and for her and for us, even on the mission side, it was, um, you know, I want to help. I want to help people. It, it's what makes me feel fulfilled. It's what makes me happy. I want to change, change lives and change the world and make it a better place than, than when I found it. And, um, you know, we had to bring back that idea just a little bit. Not that it's any smaller of, of a need or a drive, but, um, you know, it's early conversations with Veronica that, hey, we start with ourselves. Uh, you know, we get ourselves grounded and balanced and stable. And from there, you know, solving problems, we can teach those skills to someone else and they can teach them to someone else and they can teach them to someone else. And you start to see the impact of, uh, you know, just changing one life at a time. Uh, and what it can have, you know, it might be your 26th employee that is the one that goes back to Venezuela or or that makes a big difference. You'll never know uh, yeah. exactly, you know, w what that is. Um, you know, my uncle, uh, not to be morbid or anything in that regard, but my, my uncle passed in the last year and um, uh, we were at his funeral and um, he had some guests that either sent in videos or that came in person. And um, it was just a beautiful thing. You know, we had no real idea uh, of his impact. He's someone that traveled all over the world too, helping people as a missionary. And um, I think there was nine doctors and even more that teleconferenced in that he had 
um, impacted their lives and changed them for the better. And it was something that we didn't even know, you know, so it, sometimes it's not even until you're gone that you really know, um, you know, the impact you have. But when that's your mission, uh, it kind of affects the way that you do everything um, and very relatable. Um, whether we're helping, uh, you know, at, whether we're helping people in Venezuela or even Africa or even here in Kansas City or there in Miami, uh, what you're giving them is the skills to, um, you know, take a problem and and manage it and fix it and teach skills to, uh, to others. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, has lasting impact and, and can really drive um through those hard days that, that entrepreneurship has. So I, I didn't mean to go off on a, on a, on a rabbit hole there, but I think that it's something that you don't hear very often. Um, you know, but a lot of us feel, uh, even if we're not sharing it and it really does yeah. just start with, um, you know, one person at a time. So, yeah. Okay. Sermon over, like moving on, you know, uh, we talk about, you're like, oh, I started my agency last year, but you were working at an e-commerce company, <laughs> um, getting more experience. If anyone knows my story, I was doing the same thing, um, went out as a consultant. I went on as a freelancer. You started consulting. Mm -hmm. um, you teamed up with Wizards of Ecom, started your own, own agency, Online Seller Solutions. Um, I know I know just by, by proxy that you help people solve the hard problems on Amazon, uh, definitely as a consultant, but as an agency now, even in some of our conversations this week, we talked about Latin America and we talked about where Amazon's going and even sourcing, uh, sourcing in Latin America versus China. A lot of big things happening, um, you know, as a young agency owner, like, you know, that's really deciding where to go and, and where to focus. Um, I'm in the Midwest. You're down in Miami. Um, what are some of the things you're hearing, the needs that are coming to you, whether it's, uh, you know, Brazil that we've talked about? I would love to just hear kind of from you um, where you think things are going, at least in regards to Latin America, uh, in regards to Amazon and e-commerce. Um, you know, what are you seeing as you work with more and more and more sellers uh, from from Spanish speaking countries? OK, so I think for the future of Amazon, there are two main or, or two different areas that I think will change uh, from now on, and it will never be the same uh, again, is the part of sourcing. So either sourcing uh, materials and, and products and, you know, manufacturers and sourcing talent. Yes. Uh, I think the Latin America will, will, will have their time to shine uh, in this decade because we are super close as Latin America is like super close to the States. Uh, we have like same time zone, same like kind of culture. And, and it's just, we're just one step to develop something, something great. Um, there is a lot of focus from Amazon to go and expand in those countries. So they are already doing the work to go there. For example, in Brazil, they recently opened the marketplace in Brazil and they will open Colombia. They already are in Mexico and they'll keep going. And, and I feel that the pandemic had a huge impact of, okay, now, now it impacts the manufacturing and sourcing in China. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now the eyes are in Latin America, but also 
Latin American people uh, get used to buying online, which that was not the normal mm. when, before the pandemic. So they got more educated. Actually, if you see the the statistics, uh, Latin America was the the region that grew more during the pandemic in e-commerce. So it was huge. Nobody was doing e-commerce before. Now they do because they need it. It was a need. So I feel that all the pandemic taught us in Latin America how the e-commerce world works. And, and I feel that now it's not even the process that we had here in the States where we went from eBay to other stuff, then to Amazon, then to other stuff, or, or like not Prime to two days and then maybe one day and maybe one hour. No, now in Latin America will be immediately. So there is one service there called Rappi. It's not available in all countries, but you can buy anything from your phone and you get it like in less than an hour. So those wow. are people. Yeah. Imagine that you, it's like kind of Uber Eats, uh, but in for everything, like for okay. your, for a bookstore, for a supermarket, for a restaurant, for anything. If you need to pick something up, like you just order and, and they come to you and, and do it. So we are getting trained to do that. The opportunities of opening the market as uh, sellers and selling to Latin American uh, people is massive. Why? Because we are used to see uh, the U.S. or importer goods like a higher quality than what we manufacture like in those countries. So that's a huge, huge advantage. And I, I'm seeing that that I'm now that I'm working super close to the team in Amazon Brazil. I'm seeing that the sellers that had the most success is are the ones that are selling brand name products okay. uh, versus other people's doing private label and all this stuff. It's because we care about brand names. So if if you're seeing uh, the wholesaling and reselling brands here in America or on Amazon is declining because they are, the brands are getting more control and all the stuff. They're like uh, limiting the distribution. Latin America is a free-for-all. Like you can go there and sell whatever because their brand, their brands are not controlling e-commerce there yet. Um, so in that regard, there are two, two things. Sourcing. So the sourcing of products. Manufacturing, yeah. yes. Uh, we have actually there is a lot of manufacturing in in Latin America. The thing is that we don't know like it's not mainstream, but in Mexico there's there is a lot of manufacturing facilities in Colombia, Peru. So Peru is one of the biggest one that manufactures uh, fabric like mm. cotton and all the stuff. Textiles. So, textiles, yes. Um, so that's huge. And now that we have the attention. And not only that we are super close, so shipping won't be such an issue, but a lot of countries have agreements with U.S. to have less uh, tariff and duties, taxes and all the stuff. So it's not the same comparing China. Um, it's, it's an advantage. Also, what I see that can be very, um, very helpful for the ecosystem and e-commerce or the the beauty of the internet is sourcing talent there. And I feel that 
now everybody that works remotely that has their team overseas and all the stuff they always go and see in Asia in like the Philippines or India or whatever um and they haven't thought about Latin America we we as a culture are a highly educated people so everybody goes to university in Latin America um normally we speak two languages and we are in the same time zone we share the same culture so i feel that's an opportunity i see that in my business so my whole team is based in latin america and it's an it's it's amazing it's amazing because it i can relate with them easily um it's the same time zone and i mean we speak like the same language obviously i speak spanish they also speak spanish but for the people that are listening that only speak english there are a lot of talented people in latin america that will cost you less sometimes than what you find in asia and you don't need to work like uh, at night or waiting for them nine hours to reply an email stuff like that um so yeah the opportunities i f- i feel they're endless and more and more latin america will get their you know their, position their chance to shine world. yeah for sure for sure uh, as far as that's the, the side of the sourcing and as far as the selling and the opportunities there to open the market, um, I mentioned they grew immensely because of the pandemic, because there was not another option. There, there is no other infrastructure. Uh, everything was closed. So they had to move to online and there are a lot of solutions. People, for example, one of the things that in Venezuela happened, that uh, that's why e-commerce was not as uh, big is that not everybody had a credit card. Okay. Mm. Not everybody have a bank. So a lot of transactions are with cash, but now, uh, there are solutions, startups that give you car for a pre, uh, sorry, you give them cash for a prepaid card, or you basically can pay with the, uh, money from your phone, or you can even pay with crypto. So all of these solutions are already there. The thing is that they don't have the offers. So that's what I think is the biggest opportunity. They don't have the product. If you make, if you are selling right now in your own Shopify, why don't you make it in Spanish and target those markets? Like it's super easy and people are hungry for products. They don't have the ability. And I mean, it's, it's frequent. I can speak from experience when I was living in Venezuela, I used to shop on Amazon, basically. Like, Mm. oh, I need something. I I buy on Amazon, I send it to a courier, and then that courier send it back home, like in Venezuela. So it's like, it's because there are no solutions, local solutions, or there are no other solutions just targeted for that market. So yeah, I mean, I feel in that regard, Latin America is the future. Huge opportunity. You guys heard it right from Vanessa. Um, you know, and she covered some things even I was going to bring up that, uh, things like not just sourcing product, but, um, you know, culture wise, we're more aligned than, you know, even say China, as far as the people like working with vendors and service providers, like I moved my, uh, design team from India to Colombia and maybe was the best move I've ever made in regards to just getting a culture that is very artistic and is more aligned with my team. Um, the time zone thing can't be uh, 
overstated. Like, you know, we being on the same time zone, being able to slack the, the designers uh, as we're working on stuff in real time and have conversations um, is just like instrumental uh, to the success of a brand that's trying to be cohesive and work together. Um, you know, so I think that in the past, the Philippines and India, um, they're maybe the, the um, citizens of those countries or the country is more advanced in regards to doing VA type of work remotely mm -hmm. than Latin America. But um, that's the only real advantage is that America moved companies to the Philippines or moved their staff that way um, to cover kind of that 24 seven customer service play, um, you know, and then it's just evolved. But as someone that's trying to, ha that has very collaborative work, being on the same time zone is, is everything. Um, and I think that, you know, whether you're an aggregator or you're an, a, an agency like, like we are, you're the brand yourself or the manufacturer, um, whenever you're thinking about opportunities for growth, a lever that you can pull to grow, everyone's thinking international expansion. So, mm -hmm. you know, sure, you can go to the Middle East, you can go to Australia, you can go to Japan. But when you really think about the logistics nightmare that's happening across the globe, why not why not connect with countries that are uh you know can land can connect um you know and another thing is you know we have manufacturing in costa rica uh that we're selling here in the us and it's absolutely it's it's taking off with a bang um you know we just found a manufacturer in costa rica that um, was looking for opportunities to expand and we brought them to the us so as us companies move to latin america i think there'll be a lot of latin american companies coming to the us and just more of that happening than ever before uh and the one last thing i wanted to say was that i think spanish is is now i mean i know for sure it's the second language of america uh but soon might even be the first uh you know we're growing where spanish is at least in kansas city where i am um spanish is spoken by a large amount of the population and i'm not even in miami so um yeah. you know every restaurant um every everywhere uh school um spanish is just common and so when it used to be that we needed oh we need india or the philippines because they speak english um but i don't even think that that's the move anymore where it has to be english and i think that you know you're going to have bilingual teams uh you know and so latin america just makes a lot of sense uh, and as a seller too we were working with a brand in miami that's not even in latin america and we were finding that uh, we would create listings with a bit of english and spanish uh spanish. because you know spanglish exactly because uh there were there was a lot of searches happening on the platform in spanish uh, mm -hmm. on the u.s marketplace so it's really just opening your mind a little bit to the possibilities and digging in and really seeing it as opportunity anytime there's a big challenge like inflation or logistical issues or you know the pandemic would shut down brick and mortar my mind uh goes opportunity i see even bigger opportunity the harder the problem is the bigger the opportunity is and i think that that is what um you know we're kind of facing uh, as a global economy even is how do we face this challenge this big problem uh, and how do we take something like that and turn it into an opportunity um, and some of these countries, I think, will absolutely jump at it. And it's just going to be exciting. I think, uh, I hope we record this, this clip will be recorded. So maybe we can go back in five or 10 years and hear some of our predictions and, you know, some of what's come to be. Um, but, you know, just like Kansas City is away from the coast and Kansas City 
things can be slower to get to Kansas City in the middle of the U.S. than it is on the coast, like let's say New York or L.A. Uh, what that means is it's an opportunity for anyone in Kansas City to bring some of that innovation. Uh, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're simply bringing something that's already working elsewhere uh, and creating infrastructure um, and making it work. So that's super amazing. Um, you know, I think I even the last thing I'll say is I think I saw uh, one of my, my family friends in Congo uh, sent me an article on Facebook uh, over the weekend. Uh, I think it was Amazon Belgium. I need to have it translated, but it was either Amazon France or Amazon Belgium that's coming about uh, is, is exporting to Kinshasa, you know, one of the most remote places in the world in some ways uh, with 10 to 14 day shipping, I think, uh, straight from Amazon. So the world's getting more connected than ever. Um, and, and as a seller and a brand, how do we take advantage of it? Um, yeah. I want to, I want to ask you a couple more questions before we do shout out again to our sponsor for today's episode, fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Um, Vanessa talking about online seller solutions, uh, we, we've talked about Latin America, um, you know, we, we know that the space is small, especially when it comes to female leaders, thought leaders in the space. So you have a niche already carved out. Um, you know, we've talked even about what's next in regards to the future of Amazon and e-commerce. What's next for, um, you know, online seller solutions launching at a perfect time right after the pandemic? I know there's a million ways you can go. And I know that this is a hard one for you because we talked about it even this week. <laughs> Uh, but where do you see taking, you know, yourself and your team, let's say in just, you know, the next 12 months or so, wh wh where's the direction you're headed? Well, putting me in the spot. Okay. Um, for the agency, i definitely keep growing the team in Latin America. That's, that's one mission, bringing awareness for people there. And as you mentioned, the opportunities, if, that came from the pandemic, not only was like the opening their eyes to e-commerce, but also opening their eyes to the work, uh, the VA work, like remote work. Uh, I have a bunch of friends right now that are based in, in Venezuela and they work, they work remotely for companies in Canada, in the States, in Europe. So that's amazing. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of building, like giving jobs back to my community. So keep expanding my team. Um, Quite, I have can a, I ask you a question there? Can I ask you a yeah. question there? So, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of companies that are just exploding worldwide. You know, um, fullscale.io is one of them that we've talked about. Another one is Multiply Me, uh, some mm -hmm. friends that we know as well. Um, you know, they're remote. Uh, I feel like you have a big opportunity being a Spanish speaking um, uh, Amazon expert, so to speak, and training your own team. I know to do work on brands and, and your own company, online seller solutions, but is there a play there? Or is that something maybe down the road where, um, you know, you could be training talent to then sell, uh, or, or connect with other agencies or brands that need talented Amazon help from Venezuela? Yeah, for sure. So that's, that's what I, um, I'm shooting at. I don't, I don't believe that that would be something that that we will be able to come up in 12 months, especially because um, I first want to have my strong team and then I yeah. can, you know, help others in that, that way. Uh, but yeah, my, my main approach for, for team building is like um, T 
teaching them from scratch. So I don't expect that they know about e-commerce or, or Amazon at all. So I'm, a, I'm I am already building the the learning, like the all the course and all the stuff. Maybe that will help other people in the future. I really don't know if I'll make that public or it will be something like for my team only. But yeah, developing that, being very strong in the onboarding. Um, now I'm excited because we changed our model on the agency. So before we were like a project-based agency. You call us okay. with an issue, we help you. Uh, now we are doing more like account management in general, like monthly account management, where we are part of our client's company, right? So we are that uh, partner that take care of Amazon. And uh, that's been like, that change just happened recently. So I hope that in 12 months we are getting stronger in that, more clients from that side of the business model. And um, I also... I'm the host of the Ecom, uh, Wizard of Ecom podcast in, in Español, in Spanish. And okay. um, my mission there is just educating sellers or educating people to open their minds to opportunities in e-commerce. So I feel that I'm, I'm already doing the job, like opening their minds and the possibilities. I hope that people reach out to me saying like, Vanessa, I want to work with you. That'll be amazing. Uh, but first, they need to know that this exists and... Just a few now that are doing that. Um, yeah, I don't I know. have a question. I have a yeah. question there, I guess. Like, um, would you say that maybe it's an untapped market? Maybe you're already there. I'm not exactly sure. I know you get a lot of your business from Clubhouse originally. Like, I got my business from Upwork uh, yeah. originally. You know, there's channels where you can just really find a pocket of uh, a community, I guess, and, and really work within that. You talk about Latin America. But there's so, you know, the U.S. is the biggest market uh, overall. You know, is there a lot of or have you tapped into the Spanish speaking or the manufacturers or companies and brands here already in the U.S. that are, uh, you know, maybe founded by um, Spanish speaking entrepreneurs or founders yeah, that just find themselves working, like working better with, um, you know, a team like yours where you guys can communicate more effectively. Is that something that's happening, yes, you know, slowly, sure. fastly? Okay. For sure, for sure. That that was the beginning. And, and our podcast started getting like more listeners in the States than in Latin America. Now it's like almost even. We are, we are very big in Guatemala and Colombia. Um, but yeah, for sure. One of my, well, my, my best clients are like from Colombia and they live here in the States and they are, they don't want to speak English. So they need a team that speaks Spanish. So things like that, for sure. Um, but my focus is on the underserved seller and future potential assistant that is in Latin America, bring that opportunity to them. Um, to sell, I don't. I don't feel that now that we spoke about the future and that you mentioned that everything will be extremely connected. And I feel that's a move that Amazon is doing on purpose because they grew to a certain point on, on in the states where you know the the law of limiting returns. Yeah, the, the yeah. curve is slowing down. You know, it's it's not as fast as before. That's why when we compare it to Walmart, people are saying like, oh my God, Walmart is the new thing. Obviously, because they, they come from nothing. Any any improvement they do is massive. Now with Amazon in the States, it's like, there is so much you can grow. So that's why they are expanding. Once they expand to all the countries or all the main markets, 
I, I feel that it won't really make sense to talk about like, where are you based? Like, I mean, we're global. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, language is the barrier there. And creating content and creating opportunities that are in Spanish is where I see myself keep doing. Um, it's not a mission that online seller solutions have. Like we help sellers no matter what the marketplace or the background or the language, English and Spanish. Uh, but yes, I mean, if I want to focus on something, I'll say that it will be that. I know that one of my focuses is, and this even came up this week, so it's a problem I'm looking to solve for. Um, but as we start working with more manufacturers around the globe, uh, having a bilingual team uh, is very important. And I can see uh, Marknology as we continue to grow or other agencies out there even larger than ours um, needing to solve for that. So having account managers that uh, speak Spanish, having account managers that speak Chinese, Japanese, um, you know, and so for a lot of our brands and manufacturers, sure, we're moving to markets like Australia or the UK or Canada where uh, we can just use English and, and get by uh, and then using, you know, service providers to help us translate listings and things like that. But, um, you know, imagine being able to get on the phone and, and that relationship that you're going to create as an agency owner, being able to speak to them in French or being able to speak to them in their native language and making them feel like they're part of your team versus an outsourced team, I think is very important. And um, while we haven't solved for that, and you can't solve for every language in the world. I think that it's very important um, to be thinking about as you think about being a, an international brand. You know, like I've launched so many brands on Amazon over the last seven years. Um, uh, in Marknology's like lifetime, uh, thinking about um, some of the the international expansions have been the best moves that we've made, like mm -hmm. Amazon Canada, um, and seeing those brands like that's really where they get their legs, uh, which then provides marketing dollars to come back to the U.S. and compete with the bigger brands because exactly. you know you just start getting growth and and getting legs in those markets when they're early um, can give you stability. So trying to share this for any of our listeners that are just thinking about it. Uh, and where they're going in the next in the next few years. And I think that it's something that needs to be top of mind. Um, you know, pay attention to where Amazon and e-commerce is going and Amazon is just screaming international expansion. You know, I, I tell our sellers, there's usually two modes that we're in. We're either in growth mode uh, or we're in lean mode. Uh, and I think that, you know, you think about Amazon and sectors and in the U.S., they're they're expanding, but into different things like uh, logistics and, you know, different businesses within Amazon, Whole Foods. But really, they're in a lean mode. That's why they're moving sellers from vendor central to seller central, getting profitable. Uh, but they're they're spending money uh, in growth internationally. So how to focus there um, is to each brand their own problem. But I think that. When we expanded to Japan, we went and found a team that spoke Japanese and that could translate listings and really understood the culture there so that whenever we expanded there, we were ready. Uh, and, and I would encourage sellers that if they don't, uh, if they're moving without a lot of knowledge and what to do, you know, talk to Vanessa or, or a different team that can, that's more nature or localized to, to that culture and that language. And, um, you know, you can find expanding quite a bit easier. Uh, so I know I shared a lot there, but there's just so much on my mind. I love this topic and I, I'm very passionate about, about international expansion because while it's a big problem at the beginning, uh, long game, it is, it is absolutely the move, um, you know, for commerce.
not not only that, but I'll add also that those markets that we are getting in that are like new baby markets getting in first maybe you will get more you will do more mistakes or it will be a little bit painful but what after three six months you already in the flow and you already know how it works you already at in the leading that market so i i always see amazon and for the listeners that are thinking about launching something and they come across with niches that have uh, product reviews, I don't know, 10,000 reviews or 40,000 reviews, you're like, oh my God, how do I compete in that? But imagine being able to go into the market when it's like new and start launching your products there, start getting reviews and all this stuff. So, I mean, all these different marketplaces are amazon.com what in 2010 i don't know yeah so that's that's where i see the opportunity it's it's not something that it will be extremely profitable or extremely easy at the beginning but if you see yourself or if you see that as an investment probably in five years all the different marketplaces that you open that are not dot com will be bigger than than amazon.com and a lot of sellers just stay in their comfort zone, just keep selling in the U.S. because it's easy, because it's what they know. And I feel that's that's a mistake. And Amazon have always taught us about innovation and being out of our comfort zone and, you know, leading those changes. So, yes, I mean, that's that's for sure the future. You need to start thinking about those. It's painful. I know I... I work with sellers that are doing uh, international expansion, you need to learn. But after you do, you are already ahead uh, very a lot. So yeah, it's exciting. I think it's very exciting what is going to happen. And what Amazon is doing right now, limiting the stuff here in the US, it makes obvious to think about international expansion. So I don't think it's a, it's a coincidence that all of the restrictions happen in the States and they open all their markets like constantly. So yeah, pay attention. I always, I always like to take, uh, tell my, my followers, my people, the people that listen to me, just pay attention of what Amazon is doing and do that. Align your mission and your vision with Amazon's vision and you will be successful. I agree. And, and what you, you talk about it being painful and it is, um, but if you're doing it right, a lot of times um, exporting your goods even from the U.S. to to other markets, um, there's more profit margin there. Uh, sure, yeah. there's there's extra shipping costs, but um, people are used to paying higher prices for imported goods, just like we do from goods from Italy or anywhere else. Um, you know, German cars. Uh, same thing happening in in Mexico or in Brazil or in Australia. If we're taking U.S. U.S. made goods and and, and exporting them. We just cover the costs um, and it can actually be one of your more lucrative markets. So maybe you're moving less product over the next few years, but you can at least be very profitable there. How are you taking your excess inventory that you can't get into warehouses like Vanessa was saying and and move it move it around the world to be working for you versus just sitting there and, and gathering dust? So, um, man, I get I get excited just talking about these things because they're they're really game changers for uh, for brands that are taking it seriously. And, and like you said. 
with wholesalers and, and brand names moving into those markets where it might be kind of dead or dying in the U.S. as they get more brand protection in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an opportunity for wholesalers or distributors to say, hey, I know you don't want to go through the struggles of selling to Latin America or to, to Australia or Japan. Let me be your international distributor uh, and let me let me take on that pain uh, for you and the struggles there. And that's an opportunity as well. So whether you want to move there or maybe just find a distributor that's that's working through that model, um, it's still a great opportunity. Um, before we sign off, I would love to just know, like from you to anyone that's listening, we'll have the show notes uh, in the bottom of the podcast, like, you know, where you can contact Vanessa, um, online seller solutions, where you can find the podcast. Um, but just for anyone listening in the car, uh, where can people find you, get in contact with you, learn more about Latin America and, and online seller solutions and how you can help them? Okay, so the best way or my my most active channel is Instagram. So okay. it's at Full Time Amazon. If you speak Spanish, we also have a channel in Spanish called Amazon a toda hora. On LinkedIn, Facebook is Vanessa Hung. Uh, my email, if you wanna write an email and tell me your story, your problem, your issue, so I can help you. It's Vanessa at fulltimeamazon.com. On our website is Online Seller Solutions, so you can learn more about the agency. And the podcast is called Wizard of Ecom en Español. So everything there is in Spanish. And yeah, I feel that that's basically it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been honestly like uh, to, to any sellers or or um e-commerce advocates listening and tuning in this has just been absolute gold i hope you guys were taking notes um you know this is a free a free online business strategy basically on today's podcast (laughs) on on some levers to pull for your business um please reach out to vanessa if you're needing help in that area you just want to know more i know she's more than happy to help you she's on clubhouse i think she's retiring from clubhouse a little bit because uh she's just very busy um (laughs) But, you know, Vanessa's speaking around the world, uh, around the U.S. I know she was speaking in Vegas, I think, even last month. Um, So definitely a thought leader in the space. And we're lucky to have you on the show. Um, We'll see you next time. Thank you for the invite. Once again, shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. We'll see you next time, guys. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.